Welcome to Psychosocial Cinema, the podcast in which friends, family, and strangers discuss some of their favorite movies while digging for deeper meanings that drive us in the real world. and gentlemen welcome to probably the earliest ever recorded episode for psychosocial cinema today i am sitting down with probably one of the nicest people i've encountered on the internet and that's just not hyperbole um i think it's important to say that this dude he floats around in a lot of different circles that i occupy as far as like video games and like entertainment and that's it just was a no-brainer for me when it came time to seek out this interview so without further ado, I want to bring on Dan Finity, who also happens to be host of SideQuest and Planet Destiny podcast. He's also a Twitch broadcaster, recovering musician, and most important, an offensive laugher. So take that into account this episode. Dan, yeah. welcome on. Hi. Thanks for having me. You are welcome, and thank you for pushing me to record this early, as I was just telling you a moment ago. Look, man, um, it's this it's, is <laughs> you gotta you gotta get your your stuff in. I've got I've got only a couple more days until I have to go back to work. Um, I work at a library. Really? Yeah, I work at a library, and so I'm a little I'm a little nervous overall. So it's like, if this last week of podcast is my legacy, damn it, we're gonna let it be. <laughs> we're gonna let it be known. <laughs> we're gonna let it be known and you want to hear something really cool sure a good buddy of mine seth that i just had on quite literally on my last episode mm -hmm. he is he is also getting his first librarian gig coming up here in like the next i want to say the next month or so yeah he was going to grad school for i want to say li library sciences yes. god yeah, i'm not butchering that no um, you're right you are correct did you did you pursue that same educational path if I'm to understand correctly? Uh, no, I went to the school of rock and roll for ten years. Um, <laughs> and what you find usually at libraries is that there's you have your reference librarians that go to that that go to school for library science, and they're great, beautiful people. Um, that, in my experience, over time become very jaded. <laughs> <laughs> with all the information that they, they're able to to dig up mm -hmm. for people uh and then you have the support staff which is just nor like people who who didn't go to school for it but maybe have like customer service backgrounds like i i have a customer service background for the most part um i've been working in libraries for most of my life uh since high school right. actually and so it was it started out as a side gig during high school and college I went and worked at a hardware store for a year and a half and then came back because there was health insurance involved at a full-time position at a, another library um, close to my hometown and I I it was a it was a well it, it was a well-paying gig while I was going out and touring as a musician uh, in different bands and then um, 
yeah, recently I moved to um, the Indianapolis Public Library, like in the last couple of years, and um, yeah, that's been that's been pretty much it. I've just been helping people out with computer lab stuff, answering questions in that regard. Also, customer service. So that is, I I don't know why I want to say that sounds oddly fitting. Yeah. But the same the same time when you said I went to the school of rock and roll, I was like, no shit. Um, <laughs> so you how how many different bands have you been in? Only a few, actually. <laughs> like, uh, so. I was I started in a band called the Indies, the E N D I E S, because we thought we were clever, and that <laughs> band was not good at all. And the drummer allegedly uh, took money from us and then didn't pay us back. It was we were all living together in like an apartment, um, and so we were all like, uh, that was our first band, the, and then. I joined a band called Bears of Blue River, which was named after a um, a book from Shelby County, Indi- Indiana, which is like very popular in Indiana overall. And um, so I was in that for a couple of years as a backup singer. And uh, then I had I started a band called Bone Setters, and that lasted for like Whoa, ten years. That's intense. Yeah, that's that lasted for ten years. We put out three albums. The most recent one um, was back in January. We had broken up back in like 2017, but we still had a record in the books for the past three years, and we just decided it was time to put it out. And so if you want to, all of our music's for free on bonesetters.bandcamp.com. And then, yeah, that was that's pretty much it. So that's uh, I've, I've still been writing some stuff in the off time, lately but other than that nothing nothing i'm willing to commit to tape it quite yet it's not all done well thank you for dealing with my bad dad joke here thank you for setting the record straight with that music information right there all right i want to say (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you all right all right (laughs) at least somebody can appreciate that it's a little early okay To awkwardly add on to that, I'm holding a vinyl record in my hands, okay. which is one of my favorites because it's a clear kind of like, almost like, has like the consistency of like a, of a murky lemonade okay. um, tone, tone to the vinyl. Yeah. And it's the Life Aquatic Studio Sessions featuring, Sue. and I'm going to butcher his name, but I've always wanted to call him like Sue George or Sway yeah. George. Am yeah. I saying that I right? Sue George. Because they have like a French thing, they have a French Portuguese thing going, right? Yeah, I was reading a tidbit right before this, and he's Brazilian. If yes, I read that correctly. He's a Brazilian actor who, even as recent as 2017, at an event in Paris, when they this might make you a little envious here because I didn't know Adidas actually did this, but they actually released a limited run of the Rom Zisu shoes back then. Yeah. And uh, I get goosebumps just thinking about that because <laughs> I, I had a Team Zisu shirt back in high school when this film came out. Um, and just to get the date correct here, just so I'm not sounding like a dinosaur. Yeah. Yep, 2004. This is the year that I graduated. Um, so... Just to let you know that when you picked The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, I literally, in a very Wes Anderson-like fashion, I like saw it in my brain, 
craned my head to the left and looked over at the vinyl rack and saw this sitting there. And I was like, damn it, Dan, what a good choice. <laughs> so, little did you know. Um, from the top, though, yeah. something that you said that was really funny was that about working in a library. It's a bunch of people from a different backgrounds who may not always be, you know, have a history in working in libraries yeah. or be like, quote unquote, like 100% qualified from the get go. But who is when you start a, start a new job within a new career field of some kind? Right. Um, think of like, think of how cool that parallels Wes Anderson's film here. Yeah. And one of the early lines when, and we'll, we'll, for those of you who've never seen the film, we'll get, we'll get catch you up to speed here in a minute with like a quick intro and I'll let Dan do that because his voice is very soothing. Um, <laughs> so Steve, he says to his motley crew of crewmates when he's talking to Ned Plimpton played by Owen Wilson, he's like, I want you to be a part of my crew. And Ned says, how can I be, you know, be a part of this? I don't have any qualifications. He goes, well, look at all these people out here. And he goes one by one. They need all the different crew folks. He's like, he had a background in bartending. I'm just pulling this out of my, out of my butt yeah. right now. But, and he goes one by one. And, like, his whole crew is just a ragtag group of people yeah. who have a love for aquatic animals and just, like, being out there in the world. So, Dan... Yeah. In a nutshell, what what is this film about? Because it really is all over the place. After rewatching it last night, it's one of Wes Anderson's most, and I say this in a good way, mm-hmm. colorfully like indulgent films where it it really it it simmers in a lot of different scenes in a lot of slow ways and relies on just really cool character interaction and the cast here is incredible so i'll shut up you take it away all right so i'm gonna look up the imdb real quick because because i need to remember people's names this is something about me uh there is so basically the life aquatic um it is in the i want to say that it's wes anderson's road movie it is it moves it, it starts out as a revenge tale and ends up a story about family. Um, mm-hmm. And so it has... All right, here's the... So Bill Murray is Steve Zissou. He's recently lost his friend, uh, Klaus Jensen, I think. Is that right? Oh, actually, it's... um. Oh, or, no, no, Klaus it's, is... Uh, oh, my God, I can't believe that's I did Willem that. Defoe. That's yeah, Willem Dafoe. Klaus Daimler is his name. Uh, he loses... Esteban. Esteban. Yeah, he loses Esteban to a tiger shark the jaguar jaguar shark shark, excuse me more infamous than a tiger shark so i haven't seen this as recently as you i saw it like about a month ago after tiger king and saw some parallels uh (laughs) so (laughs) what yeah oh boy uh so it is he is a jacques cousteau like character who has uh a team of misfits around him and he meets his supposed son ned plimpton uh played by owen wilson uh he asks him to join the ship uh kate blanchett's character jane winslet richardson is a journalist that is coming to um possibly go on the last journey with steve zissou because this is the this is going to be the revenge film after the film that that kills off esteban uh Bill Murray has no money except for through his wife, uh, Eleanor Zisu, played by Angelica Houston. And uh, 
basically it's basically it's just a road movie. There's like kidnappings, there's rescue missions, uh, their boat breaks down a couple of times. That's pretty much it. It is. It, I I would say that it is in in that road movie spirit comparable to Tommy Boy, but at the same time it has roots in like misfit family films like um oh what's the, the dolomite is my name i need to see that i've heard so many okay. good things about that yeah i that was going to be the next one if it wasn't this one it was, that it was going to be dolomite is my name or um ed wood You'll you'll shoot me. I've not seen Ed Wood oh, before. Ed Wood. It's uh, so it has Johnny Depp. It's directed by Tim Burton. It, it's about uh, the man who directed Plan Nine from Outer Space, mm-hmm. uh, and he's played much more whimsically by Johnny Depp. In reality, he was kind of like a alcoholic asshole. But it, but all of these movies are about finding your place in maybe the least likely place you'd imagine finding it. Yes. And yeah, so that that's pretty much overall what's going on in the movie. And I like that you'd ended on that final point there because as I was doing my rewatch last night, it became abundantly clear that that theme of family that acts as a conduit from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. is something that not only hangs out like a vulture on Steve Zissou's shoulder, but Klaus, played by Willem Dafoe, the, you see that he also... Um, I I don't want to, like, <laughs> simplify it down to daddy issues yeah. and just call it that. But, like, there are men within this film who are yearning for, like, healthy, like, fatherly interactions. <laughs> yeah. And when you put a bunch of these people on a boat and you try to, like, stir the pot with this road movie, essentially this adventure they're going on, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of guys who don't know what it means to be like emotional in some ways. Yeah. And the, the, cl- the closest healthy example we get of that is with Ned Plimpton, play, again, played by Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. And he's from, he's from Kentucky. He, ha- he has like this, this like debonair kind of like accent that he does throughout the Nobody whole film. Nobody that very... I've ever met from Kentucky has that. <laughs> <laughs> so where does he get that from? I don't know. I don't, like it's, it seems like a, a deep South Missouri kind of thing. I don't Could that be to be Louisiana? Almost a little bit of Mississippi, a little bit of Louisiana. Something kind of sweet, kind of exactly. rolls off the tongue there. <laughs> and like it's, but nobody that I've ever met, everybody that I've ever met from Kentucky, kind of sounds like this. Kind of sounds like this. Yeah, you like that? That's cool. Yeah, hop in the truck. I want to see if I can find this really quick. Like, it's the letter that Ned writes to Steve Zissou in the film when he's a kid. And like, yeah, hear hear this out really quick. All right, where is it? Where is it? It's on this like specific paper that he writes. Yeah, okay. I died from laughter last night. Give me a second. Okay. Oh, gosh. Th- this is so p- poorly planned for doing this live over a podcast. It's fine. I'm sorry, people. We're doing it live. Don't apologize. This is a show. This is what they came here to listen to. So, okay. So I, I can remember the bulk of the letter, but he's like, Dear Steve Zissou, my name is Ned Plimpton. 
I'm from something, something Ruyville, Kentucky. I live here with my mom, Candace Knit Plimpton, who you knew a long time ago. I was out back in a creek, and I was looking looking for some bugs, and I found this moth here. I think I'd call it the Zisu moth. And, like, he has, like, a little picture of the moth. And he just goes on to say just how much he appreciates Steve. And he's like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be either an oceanographer, an architect, or a pilot. Yeah. Thank you very much for your good work. <laughs> Sincerely, Ned Plimpton, Blue Star Cadet, Zisu, Zisu Society. And at the end of it, he goes, hey, have you ever wished that you could breathe underwater too? <laughs> and so that's how the letter ends. Yeah. And like, I got choked up with it a little bit last night. I was like, man. I'm like, this, this little kid who had no freaking clue that he's potentially as we find yeah. out um which you know for those of you who haven't seen the film obviously listen to this podcast after you've done so because we'll we'll dive in spoilers little bits of themes Did you just here do a there, dad but joke the, of dive in yes yes okay. sometimes my <laughs> jokes are very they operate on a subconscious level and i say things without realizing it so thank you for pointing that out <laughs> But it's all good. I digress. <laughs> Spoilers. So if you haven't seen this, go on a road trip, watch the film briefly, and come back. So continuing, I'd forgotten so much about this film mm-hmm. that to- towards the end when Angelica Houston's character is talking with Kate Blanchett, it says, hey, I'm going to tell you something in confidence here that can never be repeated. <laughs> Have you ever found something strange about that Ned Plimpton character and how long he's been searching for Steve? Kate's like, what do you mean? Well, with it, she's like, without being medically fully accurate, Steve shoots blanks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I didn't remember that part from the film. So yeah, I. But is that Anderson kind of like intentionally trying to open up like the cat's cradle of like, oh, this might not be Steve's kid, but at least he's acting as a catalyst for like self growth and, and discovery change. of some kind. Yeah, 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 that's kind of. I think so. Yeah, if I remember correctly correctly like so wes anderson co-wrote this um i want to say it's like with noah bombach and so yeah. it, like it, it the movie kind of pulls in both directions a little bit um because noah bombach's films are, are i would say frankly a little bit more adult than wes anderson's mm-hmm. um and yeah, it fe- it feels like she's trying to Ned being this catalyst for change and optimism. I would say that he brings with him he re- rejuvenates the entire operation. He rejuvenates yeah. Steve. Um, Klaus gets a little jealous because he kind of sees what Steve is like seeing in the kid, and it just brings everything back around it's the partner that steve needs and then spoilers um he's got another like he basically he's not responsible for another death but another person very close to him passes in the movie yeah and especially when you said that do you wish that you could breathe underwater with ned that kind of hit me oh my god yeah yeah that just hit me where it's just like Oh man, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that last night. Holy yeah. crap! Okay, so it wasn't until you said it this time around that I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Okay, Ned. All right, I see you. You're pulling my strings. Uh, but yeah, so I can see that as him being as 
maybe they both needed that hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe Steve needed to see himself in that role because prior he, you know, he was kind of the son in this situation with Esteban. Like Esteban was Esteban. like his buddy and his mentor, but he was the Ned in that relationship. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, again, it takes a while for this stuff to gestate and to percolate a little bit. And I had actually not arrived at any kind of like clear thought <laughs> pattern about that just yet. So thank you for painting that in a broad stroke here because yeah. the, by the end of the film, when they're sitting in the, the submersible and they're all watching the, the jaguar shark swim by, you know that whole streak of like cold revenge that they set out oh, on, yeah. this, on this adventure for just completely evacuates from Steve. <laughs> and as the shark swims by, you know, he says, I just hope he remembers me. Yeah. And like, it was an odd bit of closure. He gets from that amidst like this raucous adventure that, that takes place leading up to it. And, you know, on the flip side of that, that theme of like fatherhood as well also gets like zoomed in on with the relationship between Ned and the journalist. Mm -hmm. Let me get her name again. Jane. Yes. Which honestly, there's something that I'll say, like as far as like actresses go in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett is a national treasure for me. Yeah. Where no matter what film I, yeah, an international <laughs> treasure. Let's let, thank you for that correction because you're, you're right. Um, <laughs> set, set in the bone straight there again. Damn, he's he he's on fire this morning, folks. But I've had my coffee, Kate. Like, I'm. You know what? What are you drinking? What kind of coffee? High you octane. Drink? High octane. Is is that like 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 something crazy brewed even more caffeine than usual coffee? No, actually. So it's a it's dark matters little sip of hope, uh, mm-hmm. co- coffee, and it's 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 like a dark roast, but it it's it uh, every like the proceeds from every part of the proceeds from every bag goes to like a suicide prevention hotline in Chicago. So I don't know. That is Dan. If I didn't like you already, like. I'm raising my coffee mug from Florida here. You gotta be conscious. I don't know. If we'll, you gotta be conscious about it. I don't it. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising my arm in your general direction, whichever whichever way the compass points to you right now. So thank you for doing Cheers that. Cheers to you, sir. Um, but let, like, let me pause here okay. on the film really quick because, again, for those of you who listen to this show, this is what I cherish about this podcast is when you get strange people like Dan on here who are strangely kind. That's what I mean by that. And good conversations like this pop up. Um, The genesis for me inviting Dan here today started, I want to say, well over probably like close to two and a half to three years ago when I was steeped in playing a wonderful game known as Destiny 2. And for those of you who don't know what that game is, Think of one of the most beautiful developed as far as far as like artistically speaking here. I know there's a lot of different commentaries about how the game plays, yada, yada, yada. But from an artistic and aesthetic standpoint, it's one of the most lush, like 
for at least for me, beautifully crafted sci-fi adventure games that you can play mm-hmm. online that has a light MMO component to it that Bungie, the company who, you know, creates, produces all that fun stuff with the game because they're a one-man, not one-man, they're a one-house operation at this yeah. point. Um, and I'm probably not doing enough enough lip service <laughs> for this game, but it's really the point fun. of bringing up any of that. Um, Dan, yeah. did, uh, I'll continue my spiel here in a second, but I'm not describing Destiny well enough here. Can I defer to you again? Okay, yeah. It is a first-person shooter, looter shooter, or schluter in some circles. Um, and basically, <laughs> you are a... Uh, you are a superhero among other superheroes because the the dead have been resurrected in this crazy sci-fi fantasy world to uh, protect the last known remnants of humanity from originally the darkness. It was called, it was just like blanket the darkness and it was everybody that you faced. And then it started slimming, like they got rid of the overarching umbrella of the darkness and just did individual groups. And now it's back to the darkness again. Uh, (laughs) So basically you're just trying to protect humanity from outside threats. And it's a pretty fun game. Mm -hmm. It is, it it is getting more MMO by uh, the release. And uh, it's, it's a pretty fun game. A lot of people talk trash about it and the community has gotten pretty salty about it because of seasonal structure stuff, but that has nothing to do with like the overall story. So that is a very succinct way upon it. Yeah. And I, I myself currently are kind of like, I'm, I've been on a small hiatus with the game yeah. since, since, and this is something I can actually give you all an update on here. A couple episodes ago, I was talking about going for my mental health counselors, like licensing exam, which was an exam that has taunted me <laughs> for multiple attempts. And thank God on my third attempt, I passed the exam hey! and then thank you. Thank you. And when I, when I passed the exam, I, for some reason found myself in a very odd place as far as like video games go. Mm-hmm. And just the way I spend my time, like partaking and dabbling with that, and I felt a very strange pull to go dabble with story-based games that I could like play by myself and just catch up with. Yeah. And right after that, Dan, I found myself getting steeped in playing yet another controversial game, Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding. Oh boy! And <laughs> the I know, I know. Oh boy, indeed. Um, that game, I'm not going to spend time in trying to explain it here, but from a, I would say from a therapist point of view, the relevance and the, I would say the irony of that game, given what we're all going through with COVID-19 currently, it has a resounding bell-like prominence, at least for me, more so than it did a few months ago, and right now I'm not playing it as much as I was when I initially started out, but you know, I think the point saying all that there's a time and a season for everything. Yeah. And I definitely foresee myself returning to destiny at some point. But for the time being, I'm glad that one, the community is still thriving mm-hmm. 
and you have people like Dan here who truly, um, this is where I told you I'd get back to my spiel about why Dan is on the podcast today. It's because I, I deeply value people I come across on the interwebs who speak with a positivity and are not bashful about doing that. And, you know, I was, I was being like a virtual hype man for Dan right before we started recording here. And I'll, I'll continue that here for a second because, you know, of the little bit that I know about him and his fiance Jenny, correct? Yes. I, we, we are not fianced yet. So, they're not someday, fianced. Someday. They're, they're, oh, they're, they're day teen, excuse someday me. Someday soon. We will be fiance. I digress again. He's corrected me now for the second no, time, fine. and I'm ashamed. You're fine. <laughs> I'm joking. But thank you. Thank you for that correction. <laughs> and, you know, the little bit that I know about the two of them and just the the work that she does, which I, I won't get into here, but she, she too is a helping professional. Mm-hmm. And I've always been deeply encouraged by their pairing as a couple <laughs> and just the... And let me tell you, like the, the, the humor and the stuff that they post on Twitter that I observe from afar makes me laugh and appreciate my 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 relationship with my wife and how crazy we can be. Um, I just uh, on a on a deep level. So thank you for that unknowingly to the both of you. You're welcome. Um, but also thank you again. I'll repeat this many times, but thank you again for for being a positive light within the video game and podcasting stratosphere of the internet. Um, I don't think that could be echoed enough. So Thank I'm not going to sit here and just like, and just like kiss the ground. Oh, and yeah, walk on, but, you know, <laughs> you, you, I'll set the record straight there again. Okay. So now that we have that aside, okay. I'm like, I'm like, should, should, pun intended here, shooting a blank. Ha! <laughs> so back, back to the life aquatic. Yes. And oddly enough, the way you describe destiny again mm-hmm. has a, an odd parallel to this film again because of the cast of characters who comprise Team Zisu yeah. and how many of these people are, within the way they frame the narrative for this film, hanging on to a bygone era mm-hmm. of a golden era of National Geographic, like document- documentary films. And when... When we meet up with Steve at the start of the film, you know, he's on kind of like at his wits end. He's lost all the creative juices, doesn't have much wind in his sails. And it seems like even this most profound documentary that he's made about the loss of his mentor and friend Esteban, it's just received with kind of a quiet thud from the audience who's watching it. Like nobody really felt the emotion behind it. And, Mm -hmm. you know... And now that I'm saying this, it's actually making me think of a different component of this film that we haven't talked about yet. But if this film is also about the grieving process and the adventures we go on that are completely unique for everyone who goes through Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I, I information I can share here as well in a second, that is that makes films like this powerful for the people who watch it. Um, not to throw you a curveball with this, yeah. Dan, but this is, I enjoy discussing reality and sure. <laughs> the current, re- the current reality that I occupy is that earlier this week, my mom did contact my brother and I, mm-hmm. and she, and you, you don't know this yet about me cause I don't really talk about this much on the, on the internet, mm-hmm. but 
my my father who's been battling stage three lymphoma for quite some time now is kind of at the end of his adventure right now um the doctors who have been giving him this test kind of like an infusion treatment that he's getting which is part of like a test group Mm -hmm. is not yielding the results that it could and they're going to try one final treatment but more more or less the way that my mom described it my father's been given a terminal notice at this point with his fight against cancer and so I'm so sorry. When I, yeah, thank you. Um, That's a weird thing to say thank you to, but thank you. I I know you care, so that's why I can Mm. affectionately say that. Um, It's been a very odd week in getting that information because one of the things that I have to do with my work, and I think any of us talking, breathing, hearing this, what have you, we all have to compartmentalize trauma and stuff that's going on in our own lives in order to like make it through a given day Mm -hmm. and for some reason the theme of like grief and loss hit a little bit deeper last night while watching this film because not that i'm like overly fixated on what's going on with my dad like i'm here and i'm present and i'm i'm choosing to feel that and to not just be a a hollow vessel, if you will, mm-hmm. who's just trying to be distracted by his computer games and work. Right. But there's nothing wrong with that. that. That those can be very good coping skills unto themselves. So I don't want right. to speak too harshly about that. But at any rate, I just thought that was a good thing to mention right there. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to blindside you no, with that. That's you. <laughs> but, but let me pull you onto this podcast do you, and dude? tell you something really, really morose. <laughs> do, do you? I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm present. I'm sorry to hear about your father. That's that's, I'm that's uh, heartbreaking. Um, a few years ago, I had a I had a buddy. Um, he was in Indianapolis. Uh, he he committed suicide. Um, hmm. He was a he was a loved musician in the um, in the community, and uh, the I guess like the group around him kind of took a journey in that regard with one another, at least um, what with different people being in different bands and everything. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm deeply sorry for, for what's going on with your, you and your dad. So I just hope for the best out of all of it. Yeah, man. And is, I don't know. I don't think this sounds weird. I can actually comfortably say this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm hopeful, regardless of what's going on with his health. Like one of the things that, and maybe you can relate to this too, Dan. Given situate the situation that you just mentioned that you gone through, when you're in the midst of like something really heavy going on, there's a lot of different ways that we can choose to be present mm-hmm. or distract ourselves from feeling anything and. You know, to that, even as a mental health professional, I'll say to each their own with yeah. that. And there is no wrong or right way for anybody listening here to process the loss of a loved one or to be grieving. And the and let's just say in the the end days for somebody, this for me, this will be pending what this final treatment outcome will be. This will be the first parent that i will lose in this lifetime Mm -hmm. and i'm only 34 years old so i'm not like i'm long in the tooth or anything (laughs) but i i'm quite familiar 
with loss, giving all, all my grandparents being gone and, you know, but your thoughts on this, Dan, and I know we've completely gone away from the film here. <laughs> Not sorry, yeah. but sorry. Right, okay. Um, would you say it's different when you're dealing with like a parent? Cause I'm, for me, I'm feeling, even though I've experienced like death in this life with like grandparents, there's something that hits on a different level when it's your immediate family circle yeah. or let's just say immediate friend circle mm. for some people who don't have like the, the best parent relationships, if you will. Um, sorry to put you, put you on the line no, there, but any thoughts about that? Um, it just, I think like with your grandparents, you have, you have a lot of fond memories, right? Or like it, for me, um, I have a lot of fond memories with, um, with my grandparents, uh, mainly on my mother's side, my, my, father's side of the family is kind of weird but um my parents are in their are in their late 70s soon to be in their 80s and uh yeah i've i've thought about the loss of them and i and it hurts deeper in that regard i think i think a lot of our processes are tied to time and how you bond with someone and you can have an almost instant connection with somebody like Joshua. I, I only knew him for man about like five years, but those were some of the most intense years of my life. Um, hmm. when it, when it comes to like transition from, I, I was living in Muncie at the time that I met him. And then I moved down to Indianapolis and was just kind of getting established. Um, when we became like really really good friends and so there was that kind of transition in my life he was a good buddy we were hanging out almost like every night for i want to for i want to say like two years and then he went he ended up going on uh he got a boat <laughs> damn this it's weird the <laughs> and so like he got a boat and he went down, it was with a buddy of his, um, to like charter, like he was, he got a boat in order to help, I think the Rainbow family get down to South America on one of their journeys or something like that, which the Rainbow family's a weird thing anyway. Um, and then when he came back, he was like real sad. Like, I just, like, his spirit had flipped. And, uh, yeah. We we would still hang mm. out all the time, but it was just, like, it was a little bit different. And, yeah. It's it's tough. It I, I think it's time and intensity of the bond, you know. That is a very, very poetic way of putting that, because... When we had our odd chuckle there about the parallel to that story, yeah. to the life aquatic, how freaking true is that, man? To Ned and Steve, yeah. and dude, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting the goose pimples again when I think about this moment in the film where they're when they're sitting on top of the Belafonte. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the naming they use for everything in this film. That they're the ship, the Belafonte, yeah. is this. One, it was a submarine. It was a they hunted submarines with this vessel apparently back in World War yeah. II, and it was reconfigured for their adventures <laughs> later on. And 
Steve looks over at Ned and he goes, I hope you're finding what you're looking for out here. It always remind me of like that, that U2 song, just like he was trying to quote that because yeah. he didn't have anything better to say. And, <laughs> you know, Ned kind of just like, they're both having it, like taking drags off of cigarettes. Yeah. And Steve's always like to- token on a joint yeah. in the film. So like, <laughs> it's, so I, I think he alternates between that and cigarettes, but they're just sitting up there and they're talking and you can tell that they, they are having like this quiet bonding over a rather quick, quick duration of time as they're as they're going on this adventure to get the jaguar shark and you know i concur with your sentiment about that because not that i want like wax poetic mm-hmm. about like some time i spent in california because i talked about that <laughs> with my buddy seth on the last episode <laughs> but you you don't know know this about me so mm-hmm. i'll say a little bit of it again like I used to work with Invisible Children okay. as one of their roadies out, on, out with them in California. And I did that for, I think it was a better part of like five months and some change. Yeah. And the, again, the, it's five months, but being mixed within a group of 60 people, as well as advocates from Uganda who came over and toured with us to share their stories about being child soldiers, mm-hmm. um, was a, was just a rapid experience of like one self-discovery but also making friends on the fly and thinking on your feet and you know using those relationships in a good sense of the word to like just operate cohesively as a ragtag group of people Mm -hmm. and you know spread some good while while doing that so thank you for framing that bit of story with you and your friend Joshua. um also I too will say I'm sorry for your loss with that one. Suicide is a kick in the nard. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to make sure, you know, I want to say the proper term is a death by suicide. Mm-hmm. Is I'm, If I'm saying that correctly, because I, so. I know I've, I've seen that on the internet where corrections happen with that a lot. And you think as a mental health professional that <laughs> I would, I get nervous when doing podcasts. So if I flub something, that's the reason it's why. Okay. But that right there, dude, mm-hmm. even even to this day with my line of work, continues to be, it's, I'm not going to say it's a scary facet of what I do as a therapist, mm-hmm. but for my clients, even the ones I'm currently working with who do struggle with active and like passive suicidal thinking, mm-hmm. it's something that you find yourself in like a place of like wanting to... Um, hope that you yourself can do something to fix that but when when in reality it's such a personal journey for the individual who's going through yeah. that and the people who can in a in a healthy way surround them as community which i'm sure you you and all your friends and people who are close to joshua did do mm-hmm. that and with without a doubt i know you all did that and but at the end of the day you know and I'll bring this back to the movie in this in this odd way, but it's how we choose to reach out and to ask for help as well and to be humble even when our mental health is like a demon, yeah. like nagging nagging in our brain for us to do otherwise. Like I'll say 34 years, 34 years old, that's been one of my most humbling hurdles to jump over even as a professional who, hell, has a way too much to learn still and i say that we're professional like like i'm walking on a tightrope line of like dental floss um but 
Okay, if you don't mind me turning the the, the camera to you yeah, really sure. quick here, Dan, um, when you experienced that loss, how how exactly did you handle that? If you don't mind sharing a little bit, and in hindsight, <sighs> how has that impacted maybe some of the again some of the positivity that I see you sharing on the daily mm. on social media and the way you encourage people? Because I think that is a deep deep fiber of your character and collectively i think that that says something good about you um so we handled it by me and me and his his buddies um we're we're still really close friends uh to this day uh we play poker about once a month and in these times we've been turning to tabletop simulator in order to continue that tradition um we got Man. So for months afterward, we would go every night to uh, my buddy Drew's house. Drew lived across the street from him at the time. And we would just kind of exist there (laughs) and kind of be around one another. We were all incredibly sad and hurt uh, going through that. But our bond kind of became tighter out of it. Um Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. It's just it, it was tough. And for a long time, I saw it as uh, as a negative that maybe us all kind of like coming together the way that we did. Um, maybe we didn't allow each other to mourn individually. Um, but I was talking with a friend. Uh, I, um. Oh, man. So after I started streaming, I didn't see anybody for a year, basically. I just, I was committed to uh, kind of the old way of thinking when it came to streaming, where it was just like, you always got to be on. You always have to be, like, if you're playing a game, you you should be online and streaming. You should be building your community. And that... As you as you grow a little bit, and as you like get a little older, and, and look back on former practices, not everything is is what it seems at the start. You can find your own workflow and and find your own healthy balance in that. And so I hadn't seen I I kind of took myself away from that friend group for about a year, um, and only when we started playing poker together did I, I I started making more of a active um, effort to have them in my life and to be in their life as well. Uh, This also like that year also coincided with the band breaking up. So it was like Joshua, Joshua passed away. And then a couple years later, the band fell apart and I was just like, I started checking out. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just, you have to find, at least to my mind, you have to find things that motivate you to keep going forward. And those things can be as simple as, like, I, I post, like, daily things. Um, most of the time it's stuff that I need to hear, not so much what anybody else needs to. Um, but I do, I do these morning gang posts on Twitter that kind of help me out with that. Um, but yeah, my friend, but 
going back to my friend group, we've we we're still pretty strong as a friend group, even when that year passed. We're still starting like through Discord and through efforts not only by like my friends but also by me we're like still hanging out and talking almost every day does that answer the question i don't that okay. there, there was no there was no wrong or right yeah. answer for that and i actually i thank you for going into too much detail yeah. as you did there because again the social experiment of doing a podcast <laughs> like this is that no, I don't come with any hope or expectation yeah. for, for the level of depth that people offer, but I'm always appreciative when people are comfortable to share about how they process and work through stuff. And the way you detailed all that actually is very relevant to the, for a lot of people, the social distancing and the quarantining that's going on that people mm-hmm. are choosing to do given COVID-19 and man, if that isn't a topic that I deal with on some level every single day with the kids and teens yeah. that I counsel, that, you know, you finding a glimmer of hope or a something that you can latch onto and make a healthy routine with. Yeah. And that's something I I thank you for tapping into that as far as like streaming and getting a community going and like finding a healthy mm-hmm. way of doing that that yeah that doesn't adhere to either archaic logic or putting yourself at risk well you know for <laughs> bodily harm if you yeah. will for like streaming for like you know too long when you're not used to doing something like that, that first year was tough though it was i would say that it probably like put my relationship my, put most of my relationships at a huge strain because I went so hardcore with it and didn't know how to moderate. So it's like learning those things eventually helped. Um, but yeah, that first, that first year of streaming was not the healthiest I'd say, but it, 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 as you, as you go along, you learn more things about yourself and what you can do. And it, it gets a little bit better. So, do, do you mind if I tap into that sure. for one more second here? Um, how would you say that has that influenced your, I would say, your habits with com- computer gaming, with streaming, with just your hobbies in that general? Like, as an adult, and I, I, I haven't even asked you for your age yet, but you know, oh, yeah. I'm just going to assume that you're, you're a seasoned old man and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm 33. <laughs> I'm a year younger than you. <laughs> no way. Okay. I'm not a grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. I feel a little bit better about myself. There we so, go. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Like it, now when you're, when you're younger, there's like a, an urgency to what to things that you're doing and you feel like you have to get everything out now like and that's that's true with every creative endeavor i've ever taken part of and i think when it especially when it comes to music like you you see a lot of output from bands that are in their 20s like really hard and then you stop seeing that once they hit 30 mm-hmm. yeah it's i found like i i started not having that urgency so much and writing about different things than when I was younger and so you kind of have to you have to put a little gas in the tank 
<laughs> when you're when you're older a little yeah. bit. Um when Oh man. I'm trying to think here. I think it's like um I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. You're yeah. okay. I I I can I can jive off that yeah. right there. That that need to put a little bit of gas in the tank mm-hmm. and to figure out a focus and a moderation for what yeah. you're doing so you don't burn yourself out is hugely important because even with this podcast and reaching out to have people be mm-hmm. on here, like, dude, I can't even begin to tell you how, like, I'm one, I'm humbled that you'd be on here and even take time to come talk with me today. Yeah. But at the same time, it is hugely nerve wracking at times for me to just randomly reach out to people in the community and politely ask if they would like to partake in yep. this because given everything going on, you know, both of us dealing with uh, adult jobs, relationships, trying to make sure that we are partitioning out enough time for our brains and hearts to like process everything that when you try to like make time for your passion projects, I feel like it can even take a little bit more emotion and energy out of you than you might anticipate because I feel like anything good that you produce takes time and emotional effort that you really can't quantify until it's, until it actually happens. And so the reality of today and the fact that it takes an intention. Yes. You like, you have to, and I've, I've over the past year, I've learned that quantity isn't always what you're going for it's it's crafting a quality experience if, if you will it's just is yes. making an overall exhibiting who you are with a sincerity and a levity that you, or for me exhibiting exhibiting who i am with a sincerity and a levity that allows people to come in um while at the same time knowing my limitations um both for time and emotionally <laughs> so that i don't burn myself out yeah mm-hmm. and so in in looking at my goals as in reality versus the best um the best case scenario Oof, that's a good way to put it right yeah. there. And like best case scenario, like you get something done. A podcast like this happens. You're you're courageous enough to like actually sit down and do that editing for whatever length of an episode <laughs> it is and not feel like you're being engulfed in a eclipse of stress right. from that. So I can I can relate to that on on a healthy degree because you're you're familiar enough with podcasting given the work that you do that when you record enough stuff and you look at the pantheon that you've crafted Mm -hmm. and you're trying to be like when do i find time to do the less glamorous part of this work now and not just sit on a bunch of episodes which cough (coughs) um (laughs) right now i I, i'm probably sitting on like four so this is coming out in july No, 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 not at all. Thank, thankfully, you're catching me on an upswing of of, of me being in a good place, good. mentally speaking, amidst everything yeah. going on. And definitely taking time every weekend to sit behind my computer here and edit stuff and do 
I try to do like a every two weeks I release an episode. And so given the nature of what we're talking about here and how that dovetails with I the, the last episode I did for the film Onward, mm-hmm. which is yet another road trip movie, ironically enough, with family, yeah. this 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 will be a nice complimentary piece to that so that's something without a doubt i will be working on and holding myself accountable Mm -hmm. to that amidst my other leisurely activities i partake in (laughs) but i know we've kind of like circled the wagons here on other topics and we've gone away from the life aquatic but I'll, i'll double down and say that's again what i like about interviews with really nice people because it doesn't just have to be about the movies and when when you agreed to do this podcast, I didn't I didn't take enough time to like fully explain to you like what what it is we're going to do with this and <laughs> that in a nutshell this is exactly yeah. it. So I'm glad that I di- I did not have to explain that to you, and that you you it's like slipping on a glove here. You 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 fit easily onto the phalanges and you're making this an easy interview. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, can I, I'm going, I'm going to get off track here for another second. Okay. As, as someone who has taken a hiatus from playing destiny, um, I am looking to jump back into the game, given some narrative developments that are going on right now. Right now we have evil space Doritos approaching, approaching our galaxy. Mm -hmm. And I feel the call to arms and service is nearing in the future here. Can you... For those of you who play the game, maybe those of you who don't know, um, Dan, could you elaborate on why these Doritos are evil, aka pyramid ships, and maybe what this could hold for the future of Destiny? Um, they just so the last time the I don't know. I'm of two minds. I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think of anything as evil, inherently. I think of just opposing philosophy. And so and okay. so the last time the last time they came around humanity was almost wiped out. And it wasn't through any fault of humanity's. It was purely through the traveler. The traveler is a giant space orb that uh gives that gives the superpowers that that dead human beings gain in order to become superheroes. Um, (laughs) and so I just love the way you pause while saying the dead, dead human beings get. Well, I'm trying to explain it as simply as possible (laughs) because it's there's there's some depth in there, and there's wait until I start telling you about the ghosts, then we become space liches instead of zombies. Um, Mm. and so the uh, they kind of have entered back into the the lexicon of the game through um at the end of the the shadow keep campaign which was the last dlc that was released back in october um outside side of seasonal content uh we were told we are not your friends uh it was something along the lines we're not your friends we're not your enemies we're your salvation yeah and it's interesting to say the least, mm-hmm. to, I I, I want to see what what pans out, what how it all goes down, because I don't know necessarily that the pyramid ships are the darkness, quote unquote. But that's a spinfoil hat theory. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's just a threat to humanity, which we're charged with, with uh, protecting. Can I dreamcast here sure. with you for a second? Uh, the when, when they uh, unveiled that little cinema clip at the end of Shadowkeep, not only was that like one of the most like rousing kind of like, oh crap, <laughs> yeah, this is. This is about to take a potential 180, you know, kind of like turn here for maybe, maybe. This is where the, the dream casting comes mm. here. And I, I've seen this over the web. And I, another dude who I follow on Twitter, who you're very familiar with, good old oh, Nem, yeah. our, our, our void walking, our friend. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen him talking a little bit about, you know, could this offer up some unique player choice patterns yeah for guardians to maybe you know have either a different power way to pursue or maybe something else to align with and you know i know luke smith with his coins he can be when people you know ask him about what what can they expect when things are coming up and i know recently on twitter he I somewhat someone said it was like a world of warcraft oh meme yeah that he was referencing when he made his comment like you you do not know what's coming or you're not prepared he pulled he, um, he pulled the grenade off he he pulled the pen out of the grenade. Uh, Gathalion was was saying that he was excited to see what would come up in uh, a fall expansion for PVE because he was kind of bored with what's going on in Destiny right now. A lot of people are, mm-hmm. a lot of people are, uh, but that's neither here nor there. And he said, "You are not prepared," which is a meme that goes back to the burning. Um, oh, I want to say it was called the Burning Shrine. In World of Warcraft, but I could be very wrong. Uh, Burning Crusade, which was something that kind kind of opened up World of Warcraft in a big way. Um, so a lot of people are pointing to that as a um, as a hint of what's to come this coming fall. So, and that I'm 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 thinking that's when I'll probably properly get back mm-hmm. into the game. But may I'll I'll toot my horn here for a second. When, as someone who played all the different classes on PC and who's very kind of like, I really don't hold particular allegiance to any one class that you can play, whether it's Warlock, Hunter, Titan. I think they all present really cool pathways for like decimating your Mm -hmm. enemies throughout the galaxy. And in multiplayer, which is where that's where I flourish with this game. And as i've taken this hiatus i know one of the bigger things that bungie has been like valiantly crusading against is the kind of like rampant cheating issues going on with trials and like people thanks to like pc wizards out there who know how to hack and get around you know probably steam protocols for like you know playing fair and whatnot that's something that and my opinion has like unfairly hit destiny and kind of like soured the experience for a lot of people who play multiplayer rather religiously mm-hmm. me being one of those people a while back and when i was me personally i never got to play trials right and destiny one because i stopped playing right around the dark below mm-hmm. and i made it through that second raid but then friends dipped off the game, and that's when I missed out on probably some of the best content that that first game had to offer with the Taken King and everything in between after that. So seeing kind of like what's happened with the multiplayer, 
I'm a little thankful that I'm currently not playing because not that I get heated or very chuffed, if you will, while playing against other people or or shenanigans happen, Mm -hmm. but I can definitely empathize with people who take pride in the time that they commit to a game and a community and the the characters that they create within it and almost in a very Dungeons and Dragons kind of way, the the role playing that comes about when you're proud of these creations that you make. And I'll speak for myself there. Like no matter what class I was running, man, did I feel like a hero in that galaxy <laughs> running around between planet to planet and assisting people. Yeah. And I'm sh- I'm sure you can vibe with that, but that's, you know, that's the one thing Bungie, man, I, I, we could sit here and wax <laughs> platic for some time, but I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time no, this fine. morning, but that's the most beautiful quality of that game right there <laughs> that to, to date for me, no other schluter or shooter or quite honestly, any game that I've played that has those kind of like story and character creation mechanics to has really pulled me in the same way. Oh yeah. Same for me. It was, it was a big, um, it was, it was a huge, uh, game for me it was the first like looter shooter first person shooter that i really like got involved with and especially like in an online capacity as well so I mean, it's it's pretty awesome i like i like it quite a bit um yeah i don't know okay can, can i can i posit another sure. question to you here and i know there won't be like a wrong or right or anything in between response here but for anybody who's lapsed with playing destiny right now is there any like any way you could describe when, like, you know, not when would be a good time to jump back in, but, like, what what could someone expect who might be new to the game or hasn't played before if they were to dip their toes into that universe right now? Uh, oh, man. That's a, load, that's a loaded one. I'm There's sorry that I just dropped that on There's you. There's a lot. Uh, I, pr- probably the next best time to jump in would be June 9th. That's when the next season is going to start. Um right now we're kind of in the middle of a weird story with destiny because it started off that like the vex were trying to they're trying to use a time gate in order to uh correct the timeline like i think correct (laughs) guardians out of existence i think and then we defeated them. The Cabal were like, oh, hey, they still got this time machine. Let's use it to um, make Dominus Gaul win. And so they were trying to do that. Then we defeated them. And then they were like, fine, you won't let us, you won't let us, like, let Dominus Gaul win? We're going to, we're going to speed, we're going to, we're going to Keanu Reeves this, uh, our old ship at you. <laughs> and so that's basically what's going on now. And we're talking with a, um, an AI named after a uh, named after a Russian uh, mystic named Rasputin to shoot it out of the sky. And while that's going on, the darkness Dorito ships are coming in. So it's there's just mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot going on right and now. That's a very. I like that you could simplify that down and distill the story into that because there are people, mind you within the quadrants of the destiny community like my name is bife and other people who pride themselves in the lore of this game and 
for anybody who's curious about that stuff, you can you can search YouTube and find hours upon hours of really good content that can really ease you into the story of Destiny. And if you are looking to play the game, again, then there's incredible people like Dan and other folks within the Destiny community who have podcasts mm-hmm. that also complement the ongoing narrative. So really, if you've ever felt overwhelmed by playing a well it's free to play and will will remain as such it appears going in most capacities it is free to play yes yes thank you for (laughs) adding that because there 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 are a la carte expansions that bungie has crafted for your experience that you can either opt into or not and that's something i i like with the seasonal format that they got going on amidst the other constructive critiques that people have but again needless to say i don't want to see there's ever a perfect time to jump into playing destiny but what dan said about waiting for that kind of like you're on a dock there's a boat coming oh look it's june 9th there's new story content there's all this stuff that probably and i concur with them that would be a great time to jump in and to play the game and this episode will hopefully be out within like the next seven days so This will be t- t- time-gated by that and landlocked in a good little footnote of sorts. So, yeah. beyond what we're talking about, yeah. Destiny, here, I know we've rambled about the life aquatic. We've talked about quarantine, life, a little bit of death, heavy stuff. Also buttressed by, you know, space, wizard- yeah. space wizardry and magic. And, you know... Just another I Thursday. I think this has been a... <laughs> just... A, man... When you said that, I actually forgot that it was Thursday because my my brain is so so tethered by Zoom calls and being in front of my computer all day doing appointments that re- it's almost like I feel like I'm a I'm slowly turning into a vex minus the mechanized <laughs> ligaments that t- time is losing meaning outside of like these little watermark references we can make here to ground ourselves yeah. in reality. Um, Thank you for listening to me ramble today, Dan. So it um, I it was fun. I, it was it wasn't listening to you ramble. It was it was I was trying to also ramble with you. So it's it's all good. We're all rambling. And 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 that's I think what I'm going to call this episode. I come up with a unique unique name for every episode. I think this one's going to be called Rambling Man, <laughs> the life aquatic discussion. Okay. So that this semi life aquatic discussion. This semi, but. <laughs> this should be the disclaimer that I put at the front of every episode. Now, if you're coming here for a thesis level breakdown of your favorite film, <laughs> think again. <laughs> Maybe you should go somewhere else. But that, again, I, I don't mind puffing myself up a little bit. This, these are like, these are the interviews that I look to do, and this is the kind of stuff that is life giving for me when I can talk to strangers I've never yeah. met. And I could feel instantly comfortable in doing so. And that, again, it's less about me and more about the person I'm talking to and just their, I don't know, their choice and their willingness to partake in this, which is something I'll I'll never not be thankful for. So, Dan, if people want to seek you out in the quadrants of the internet, where would be a good place for them to do that? Okay, you can find... Okay, you can find me three days a week, twitch.tv forward slash danfinity. You can find me on the Planet Destiny podcast every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find side quests every Friday 
Uh, normally I have a guest. This week I think I'm going to be doing a uh, a retrospective. I've been doing the 30 song challenge, the 30 day song challenge uh, on Instagram, right. and uh, I think I'm going to take the first 10 tracks and kind of break them down and what they mean to me in that regard um, for this week's episode because I don't have a guest. I'm, I'm not going to. I didn't want to. That's another thing. <laughs> but uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Danfinity, where the eyes are L's. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Dan, uh, let me say that again. Thank you for being on here today. And for anybody listening, thank you for partaking in, in this another wonderful, weird <laughs> episode of Psychosocial Cinema. You too can track me down on Twitter at Psychosocial Cinema. I believe I go by Psychosocial C on there. You know, you think I would know this stuff before, before giving it out to the internet, but it's easy enough to find on a website at www.psychosocialcinema.com. I have a Patreon by the same name and, of course, Instagram where I, I do episode updates and all that fun stuff. To that end, Dan, this was a pleasure, and whatever wherever life takes you, man, especially with your library work with you and Jenny, like, dude, blessings and love over the two of you, and thank you for the good work that well, you're thanks doing. Thanks very much, man. Same to you and your your family. All right, and you're going to hear us count down here. Maybe I'll leave this in, maybe I won't, but starting from okay. today, Dan, all right, three, two, one, stop. Stop.